Blog Talk Radio. Welcome on the line, and I believe he is out there, and I'll bring him on in just a second. Um, really a wonderful spiritual way shower and inspirational soul. I have really wanted to talk to you for quite a while, actually. And Blake Bauer is about to come on. And those of you listening live, um, you will notice that we have a fairly short show description today that will um, become a little bit more complete for those of you listening in the podcast in a moment. Um, but I want to tell you just a little bit about Blake. His latest book is You Were Not Born to Suffer, Love Yourself Back to Inner Peace, Health, Happiness, and Fulfillment. And Blake is really a pioneer. He, His talent and really his his guided path has been to bring together multiple practices and to really help us with our health and well-being in many ways, emotionally, psychologically, physically, financially, spiritually, in all parts of our lives. And being that I am rather guided intuitively, I feel like there's something really important we need to talk about tonight and that somebody out there listening live needs to hear us tonight. So if you are just tuning into this broadcast tonight, this broadcast is coming on very much for you because this is a very spontaneous show. And I'm just about to bring Blake Bauer on the line. Welcome, Blake. Hi, Susan. How are you tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you? I am good, thank you. Very good. Can you hear me okay? I hear you great. Um, You sound just fine. So, I am just so happy to be talking with you tonight. And and maybe maybe we can start there, Blake, is that um, when something spontaneous occurs, and and I'll be honest with the audience, is that we had this show down, for those of you looking at the calendar, we had it down a few days from now, but it turns out um, one of us had it that day, the other the other, and here it is. So so when that happens, Blake, 
what does that tell us? Well, I think, you know, every, every um, experience is an opportunity to, um, you know, look at how we react to things, maybe not going, you know, to how we planned and, you know, how we react to that, whether we get frustrated or we um, shut down or we mm-hmm. open up. And, um, you know, it obviously provides a, an opportunity to see what else is possible. So, um, you know, for those of you listening, Susan and I had different times scheduled and different dates <laughs> for when the, when the interview yes. was supposed to happen. Yes. And, um, and, we, and we ended up realizing that and then uh, deciding to go ahead anyways just a bit later than um, what, you know, what one of us had assumed. And it ended up working out well. So like you said, it's, I, I felt just like you after we spoke that it was obviously meant to be. And sometimes, you know, a fresher energy um, and clarity can come through because, you know, sometimes when we're we're living our life according to, you know, a schedule and a set plan, mm-hmm. we're not really living in the present. So I think um, the, the spontaneity of our connection even this evening for you and today for me uh, here in Australia um, was obviously obviously meant to be and it will probably be a much clearer and, uh, you know, I would say chat than maybe had had it worked out to how we thought it was meant to be. <laughs> I think you're right. I think we'll find that it it's just meant to flow. Is is yes. that that's often my experience. I have found that to be the case even, you know, on nights where we've had some technical glitch or something. It's amazing how that just gets incorporated into the show and actually that then leads I have no questions in front of me whatsoever, so I'm just going to flow with it. <laughs> when that when here we go you were not born to suffer i mean we could when we have some kind of a glitch hey i had something happen the other day the tire indicator on my car came on you know the one that says that that maybe you're going to get a flat tire and you don't really know what it means and you're you're actually trying to figure out what it means it's just something on the the dash and you know we can react to these things in different ways can we Oh, yes. So how do we move out of um, spontaneous panic mode? I guess that would be a good way. Because sometimes it's very easy for us to overreact sometimes. And how do we flow through life in such a way, Blake, that we learn how to ease our responses when something unexpected occurs? For me, Susan, um, you know, I think everybody has different techniques that work for them or uh, processes that work for them. For me, it's always my breathing, Um, Mm. just coming Mm -hmm. back to breathe. And and as I was saying before, rather than closing down, which is, you know, that reaction when our, our mind closes down and we get angry and we think that this possibility is the only possibility or frustrated or we or we get afraid because, you know, an indicator came on on the car or an indicator in some some shape or form has shown up in our life as a as a message, a, a symptom, a, a car accident, uh, something to kind of slap us in the face or uh, wake us up. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, for me, it's always it's always just to come back to my body and to my breathing, so I don't get lost in the reaction, which 
can begin emotionally or psychologically and then spiral into, you know, crazy thinking uh, that causes us more <laughs> suffering or, <laughs> you, know, you know, a stronger emotional reaction where we say and do things that we don't really mean and then we end up uh, misdirecting, you know, a lot of energy that if we were to be able to be anchored in our body and our breathing, we wouldn't necessarily lose that much energy and then we can think, okay, well, uh, you know, what else is possible here? What are the various things that this could be telling me? Um, what are the various solutions that I could try? Um, and so, again, for me, it always comes back to my breath. And through that breathing and breathing deeply into my belly, I can um, kind of always calm whatever reaction, initial reaction I've been conditioned um, to to react um, to situations from my parents, from you know, my education from, you know, what I've just see around me. Um, and yeah, for me, that's the key. It seems simple, but there is, um, there's, you know, there's brilliance and there's grace and there's beauty and simplicity. And that's one thing I like to talk about quite a bit is that we make things much more complicated than they need to be. And we're all kind of trapped in the same game, doing the same thing, in a web of complexity that doesn't necessarily need to drive up. Okay, your your voice is is um the the sound is a little um slurred a little bit. That I'm thinking the connection might be having. Can you hear me? Okay, Blake. Just making yes, sure. I, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. What about now? Can okay, you hear me any better, better now? Better. 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 Okay, um, great. Here, here's a deeper question. In fact, I'm really going to flow with this tonight as to um, how we can respond because I feel that this really has a lot to do with suffering, and I see how it can relate to your book very much so. A lot of yes. us were raised in ways um, where, you know, if something, if we did something wrong, okay, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to be blamed, you know, for this. And and we can we can fall into this syndrome and it seems to me to be a real um a root of suffering and it also seems to have to do with with how much we love ourselves. And I know you talk so much, Blake, about coming into a, a loving relationship with ourselves. So so the question is, you know, when something goes wrong and sometimes our impulse is to feel like, oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be punished in some way, or you know, feel we we feel that blame thing, or maybe you want to blame someone else. That can cause suffering too. This is a very common thing in human interactions. How can we bypass that so that none of us are suffering? <laughs> well, I would say, Susan. <laughs> I would say, Susan. Firstly, we can't we can't bypass it. Um, okay. I think yes, there is no bypass on the road to liberation. It's, okay, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually I love um, the author and teacher John Wellwood, and and he's coined a phrase called spiritual bypassing. Um, and um, I'm not going to go too deeply into that, but it's a it's a wonderful mm-hmm. uh, way of of looking at things because often in the in the world of spirituality we can use spiritual practice to numb our emotions or to 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 disconnect even further from our 
emotions. Like you can become very well-trained in your mind uh, and intellectual, for example, through various types of meditation, but still have so much repressed emotion in your body that you're not fully embodying, you know, the wisdom that you might have in your head, um, if that makes sense. So so I would say, yes, yes, so I would say, no, we can't bypass, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for me it's been the, it's been this journey of learning how to not make myself wrong and not not blame myself and then that then transpires into to being able to relate to other people in that in that way um so learning how to be kinder to myself and if you're in a situation where you're attracting the criticism and you're yeah. attracting someone to blame or make you wrong that is only there in my experience. It's only there in our experience because we still need to learn not to make ourselves wrong and not allow someone to make our make us wrong or criticize us. And that's for me has been the process of really learning to value myself, which is another way of saying love myself. But I also love the word to value myself and to value what I feel and to value that you know I am doing my best to be aware and kind and conscious and I'm learning and um, what I feel is not wrong. And I think, you know, we're all so used to making ourselves wrong and what we feel wrong. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we're so used to other people making what we feel wrong because they don't know how to deal with what they feel. So they make their own feelings wrong and then they make our feelings wrong and thus our behavior or our mistakes. So as we deepen this value and and love and compassion for ourselves, then we will naturally relate to other people that way, and that opens up many possibilities, whereas when we're coming from that place of, you know, I'm afraid of being blamed or I'm afraid of being rejected or I'm afraid of being judged, we close down and there's no possibilities anymore, Um, or that's our perception of that. How do we best deal... We we all, there are people listening, no doubt, who maybe are in customer service. I used to work in a job where um, I would help customers with technical issues. I was a software engineer. Um, or even in my current work, sometimes I have to deal with things, certainly. When, when someone, Blake, I feel like I suffer. I mean, I can feel sometimes that I suffer when someone's really angry. You know, if, if you know, it's related to this, but... Someone comes to, you know, they're angry at us, whether, you know, for whatever reason they, they've chosen to be angry. How do we respond in a way that is, is, is going to minimize the suffering that we experience in, in the most enlightened way? Hmm. Well, I think obviously it's, it's a case-by-case situation mm-hmm. because... Mm-hmm. You know, there's some relationships are different to other relationships, like your, sure. you know, maybe your family or your partner, or um, versus you know a client or someone you know that you're selling something to. But um, sometimes, sometimes it's sometimes for me it's about not responding. It's just about breathing and staying present mm-hmm. because you know we're all so quick to respond and react and. Yeah. Um, Typically, obviously, respond is a word that's associated more with a conscious, um, 
a conscious, you know, action. And sometimes a, a conscious action is nothing. It's just to breathe and to, and to feel and to notice how we're reacting. Because for me, that's how I know I become a complete mirror for the person yeah. in front of me who is angry. Because really it's not about me that they're angry. And that doesn't mean that I'm not responsible for my behavior and that anything goes, but still their reaction, their anger is, is their own. Now, for me, I notice if my heart is really open and vulnerable, um, when we're very open and vulnerable, we actually can feel their anger. So it can be hurtful. It can just really hurt a yeah. tender heart yeah. to have aggressive yeah. energy coming into our, our body. Um, and so for the most part, I think, you know, sometimes sometimes valuing ourselves means that we remove ourselves from those situations, especially if they're really unconscious and the other person is not prepared to take responsibility. And yeah. if it's in a job situation and you're continually getting abused, for example, well, then it might be that you need to look at that and that you're not valuing yourself by staying in that job because nobody right. would ever right nobody would ever want to stay in a position where they're continually abused um you know uh, in an unfair way if that makes sense not that you're the victim mm-hmm. but in an unfair way that you're allowing yourself to be in a situation where you're abused and yeah. then not and obviously not valuing yourself so um you know i guess you know sometimes so to answer your question you know breathing and not responding and just really looking at the person and breathing and not saying anything and mm-hmm. sometimes then there can be up there can be some situations where it's important to say you know I feel really hurt by your regression so your aggression so taking responsibility for how you're reacting to their anger um and then I think the deeper question is where am I not valuing myself in this situation or in my life because sometimes you can be valuing yourself in one situation and not valuing yourself in another situation in your life. And you'll experience someone treating you poorly, uh, let's say, in your job, like you were expressing. And it's it's a symptom of where you're not valuing yourself in another situation. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. uh, a symptom of where you're not valuing yourself in maybe a more personal part of your life. You'll be getting it at work, um, and it's a message that at home you're not valuing yourself for example. Um, okay. So again, it's a case-by-case case, case, by case basis. Yeah, yeah, that that actually makes a lot of sense spiritually, um, that that we kind of mirror certain things, or that things get projected into into our environment. Um, yes. And, and, you, another, and you know the spiritual, I was, mm-hmm, I was just going to say the spiritual cliche is to try not to take it personally. And if yeah. you are aware that it, you know if you're aware that if you're aware that everything comes back to our own experience and projection then you know that about somebody else that if someone on the other end of the phone is reacting that that's theirs to deal with and if you don't buy into that then you're not feeding what Eckhart Tolle calls the pain body you know you're not feeding yeah. their pain by giving their ego another excuse to come back at you when you just breathe and you know and and not respond not react just breathe Yes, yes. You know, it seems to me, Blake, that when I reflect on, um, and I'm sure we many of us can relate to this, when we think about, you know, different situations, we've been in challenging situations. You know, sometimes we will relive it, and it's as if that wound um, 
yes. just keeps coming back. So, and yes. that can be a real source of of suffering for us. How do we hmm. uh, work with our wounds like that, and 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 learn to to release them, or whatever we need to do with them to heal them, release whatever you advise, Blake. How do we do this? Yes, absolutely. Um, Susan, can you hear me okay? I just want to make sure the line is still yes, good. Yes, I can. Can you hear me all right? Yes, I can perfectly. Good. Um, and your question is is really the most important question about this topic, but it's really an overarching um, key to the whole topic, which is that when we're little kids, like you began, you know, mom and dad – if we have mom and dad, some of us, you know, only had mom, some of us only had dad, some of us had some of mom, some of dad, some of had, some of us had no mom and dad. Um, but whoever our parents were, our caregivers were, because every human being is struggling to be happy and at peace and to, to love themselves, they can't help but be stressed and reactive and struggling in their own way. So with us as little kids, we all experienced angry reactions, uh, rejection from our parents and our caregiver where, you know, they didn't have time or space for us or didn't care or didn't even know how to support us in the ways that we needed because they didn't get the support they needed as kids. And, and as adults, they never learned how to give themselves the love and, and care that they needed. And so we're all kind of just used to what we know. So we're all used to, at a young age, we get conditioned, and this is where the wound is born. We are yeah. used to people reacting towards us as though we're a burden or we're a problem or we did something wrong. And yeah. most of us will die or pass away or you know leave this body in this lifetime, even if we live 100 years, having never really understood the root cause of this and learn these lessons. So as children, we learn how not to value ourselves rather than to value yeah. ourselves. We learn how not to love ourselves versus to love ourselves. So we learn to reject ourselves and we learn to criticize ourselves and we learn to keep in what we really feel because we are dependent on these adults for our survival. And as a result, we learn to kind of compromise ourselves or betray ourselves for love, for security, for food, water, shelter, money, for the crumbs of love, the crumbs yeah. of attention, the crumbs of support that we get from mom and dad. So for me, it was key to understand this because I feel that the, the key to all healing is awareness, you know, to bring light yeah. to where there's darkness inside of us. Um, and to bring, you know, a loving awareness, a, a loving kindness to the pain inside of us. And for me, it all goes back to this dynamic as a child where I learned to reject parts of me and my feelings and my needs and my desires mm -hmm. because first I never even knew what they were. And then once I did start to formulate them, I was afraid of the reactions of my mother, my father, of losing yeah. their love, of being screamed at, of being abused, of being grounded of being having love withheld, support withheld. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, so for me it's about understanding that, that that's where it begins, and then coming forward today uh, to our present life, looking at our life and seeing how that we're doing the same thing in our 
major primary relationships and our work life often we're rejecting parts of us, meaning denying things that we feel, things that we want, things that we need, either because we don't know how to express them or we're afraid to express them. And then it's about learning about, well, what is it that I am feeling in my body? What is it that I need? What is it that I want in my life? And then learning how to express that effectively in every single situation and relationship, so every moment of every day. And then we're faced with what, you know, the title of your show, we're faced with all the fear that lives inside of us. And we all have so much panic and so much fear inside of us. And our body's been storing it for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So it's just we think that's the way life is. And we don't know that there is all this beyond fear. You know, I, I mm-hmm. believe, you know, just mm-hmm. like you've named your show. So yeah. um, does that, did I answer your question? So I feel, you know, we come yeah, up with a lot of complicated techniques, you know, but it really yeah. is that simple. Well, you are really answering, though. I think that, that you know, in the in the, the time that we have to, to to explore this, it I think you're actually giving very deep answers. And, you know, something that I've learned over time, this, this show just finished its fifth year it's now into its sixth year and it seems like you know my understanding of fear has evolved over time that that getting beyond fear it, it it's not necessarily instantaneous it, it it's a process and that um i've just had so many guests talk about fear in different ways um and you know sometimes it can even be a catalyst, not that it needs to keep recurring, but it just seems like fear can come to us in so many ways. And then over time, we can learn to loosen its control over us, I guess, would be what I've personally observed in in my life and what many have talked about as well. Absolutely. Now, you talked a little bit about dependence, and as you were saying that, I I couldn't help but think about um, so often, Blake, um, you know, when we get older. So, so when we're young, like you said, we're dependent on our, on our parents, and, and, you know, we're in that, that situation. And yet, when we grow up, um, as you talk about relationships, it seems that what people might call codependent relationships or just just relationships where there can be unhealthy dependencies. I know that there are many listeners um, who, you know, and I can personally attest to having experienced this, um, how, how do we begin to work with that? Because that can be a real cause of, of um, some turmoil for for many of us when when there's an unhealthy dependency within a relationship and and I'm talking you know probably there are many types of relationships but let's just you know cast it into a romantic relationship you know when you're with a partner and and there are some unhealthy dependencies going on. Absolutely. Um, well, I guess there's obviously there's a few layers to to the question and to the answer. Mm-hmm. And I would say that we, because of, because of the dynamic when we're mom and dad or whoever our caregivers are, are really the only people that are going to 
um, take care of us, even if the way they take care of us is very toxic. So we get used to that and we get conditioned to that. So that could be for, you know, 20 years, you know, our first 20 years of our life or first 15 Mm -hmm. years of our life that we're used to that. So that's why I find in my experience that, you know, when you observe on the outside, if someone continues to go back to the same relationship that's really toxic and unhealthy is because we have this uh, conditioning that says this person, we get these blinders on and we, and the person is the only source of love, even if that love is toxic. And that is a symptom of us as children being so um, dependent on, you know, our parents and our caregivers. Caregiver, so I see that that yeah. very clearly with myself, and with, really with all people that I come in contact with, where I'm talking mm-hmm. about these topics, or they're they're talking about these topics with me. But I love the uh, concept of soul contracts, and oh, yeah. I my perspective is that all beliefs are not real, and all beliefs mm-hmm. are an illusion. But we all operate from different belief systems at different times, and those belief systems either liberate us or keep us trapped and a soul contract to me the idea the concept of a soul contract is a very liberating idea because it really places the relationship within a clear perspective to me that's been very empowering and when it comes to these intimate relationships i think that we remain codependent because we are learning lessons with this individual about loving ourselves and about and thus about unconditional love um, that we are probably not mastering or we're not getting the lesson. Mm-hmm. So we keep re- recreating the situation and recreating the lesson with the person. So it's always, it's always, always, always a situation of where am I not valuing myself? Where am I not being true to myself? And the big, a big one is where am I not taking responsibility for myself? Uh, yeah. Because a big key of codependence is that you know, the other person might take responsibility for certain things within the relationship. That could be financially. You know, a lot of people make compromises and trade-offs justly and become codependent or because of money. Yeah. Um, some of us, because that person cooks and cleans or uh, helps us with our business or provides the type of love or some of the love that I didn't get as a child and we become addicted to or codependent on that. So it's typically where am I not taking 100% responsibility for myself? And that's emotionally and on a physical level, financially. And because really there is a lot of hangups in relationship with money, with material yeah. possessions, which, you know, get very commingled and enmeshed, especially as we become adults and especially as we have yeah. families. Um, does that make sense? Oh, so, definitely. You know, a lot, I mean, in the traditional framework, if, you know, if we go back a generation or two and it's still lingering today in, you know, people from the 18 year, eight, you know, age 18 and up is, you know, the man goes to work, the old paradigm, and the woman mm-hmm. stays at home and, you know, takes care of the family. And that's been so disempowering for women in the sense that, you know, they're dependent on a, on a, their partner for their financial needs or their material needs. And, um, and then it's even disempowering for the male because the expectations of, you know, denying his own um, passion or, or joy to just provide financially, which creates a very unhealthy dynamic between yeah. men and women or, or, or uh, you know, homosexual relationships. 
And um, so, but even today where, you know, men and women are much more equal in earning capacity and education and opportunity and all those things, there's still a, a remnant of that in our collective unconscious, you know, and, and a lot of yeah. times these habits are passed down from generation to generation, from mother to mother, you know, from mother to daughter, from father to son. So even though we seem to be progressing, there's still that seed of that, those compromises that our grandmothers made or our mothers made or our, you know, our grandfather made or our father made. You know, it's like the Christian saying, you know, we carry the sins of the father. Um, you know, we, we inherit uh, a lot karmically, even if we spend our whole lives trying to fight it. You know, it, we realize we end up we're more like the last generation than we like to realize or uh, or acknowledge. So, um, yeah, so I think it's a matter of not taking responsibility for what we feel, what we want, and what we need, and thinking that we need to look outside of ourselves for that love, for that responsibility, for that security, uh, for those needs to be met, if that makes sense. Oh, yes, yes, very much yeah. so. Um, you know, I think that that's something that, that comes to mind that, that I've certainly observed is, um, and I see that I see it in this area where where I live in the Pacific Northwest, which um, was actually hit pretty hard by the economic downturn that we had um, some years ago. And what I've observed is the dynamic can go different ways. Is is all kinds of of dependencies of, have arisen out of that where yeah. um, you know people. It may have to change careers or or whatever, but um, I have found that this can lead to um, you know some real difficulties. So the question I have here, because I know that in this area where I'm broadcast, I broadcast everywhere, but I'm certainly um, you know I've got listeners here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, if someone is in a situation where you know they're not manifesting abundance like they did or whatever um how how can people get out of a rut i guess that's the question i have is that how you know when life has dealt well that that's a victim way of saying it i'm catching myself <laughs> but you can view it that way you know life has dealt me this blow you know the 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 victim and and you can even work with that the way i said that and then um you know how do we become empowered and take control of our lives again when we've had a, a setback like that or any kind of, of setback, really. But um, anyway, making it very broad, but but there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's a, it's a great question because uh-huh. none of this, ma- none of it matters unless we can make it practical, practical yeah. and, yeah. and effective for, for everybody and especially those who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um So there's three things that come to mind. The first thing that comes to mind is that I've learned that I have a choice. I can either feel sorry for myself Mm -hmm. or I can respect myself. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the the truth for all of us. We can either live in a way where we feel sorry for ourselves and stay in situations where we feel sorry for ourselves, or we can live in a way where we respect ourselves and change those situations. So then the question is, how do we do that? Because consciously yeah. no one would feel would, would choose to feel sorry for themselves, but unconsciously most of us do. So when, when given the choice, you know, do you take this pill or that pill, 
we would each choose. Nobody would say, I want to feel sorry for myself. We'd all say, I want Mm -hmm. to, to respect myself. So the two important things that I would counsel anybody to do in that, in that situation are one, we have to begin taking small steps each day. So it's just important to, to begin to be true to yourself and express your truth in each situation. So if you're not feeling well, to admit that you're not feeling well. So, you know, I'm not feeling well. If if you are not happy in your job, to admit that and talk about that with a close friend or a family member or go see a counselor if you don't have somebody you trust in your life. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you're not happy in your relationship or you don't love the person you're with anymore or you don't feel that they love you anymore, to to take the leap, which may not seem like a leap or this big external occurrence but even just expressing your truth even when you're scared so you can be scared it's not that you pretend you're not afraid but to be true to yourself what you're feeling and what you want and what you need is is actually a huge leap and to do that even if you're afraid um that's that is very practical and the reason why that's so practical is because most of us don't trust ourselves and the reason we don't trust ourselves, and this is all tied up with self-esteem and confidence and belief in ourselves, and the root cause of those issues is that we don't trust ourselves. The symptom of not trust us is that we don't trust life. So if you're in a situation where you think um, life won't work out for me, if I leave my job, I won't be okay, if yeah. I try and start a new business, I won't be okay. You're in effect saying, I don't have faith in God. I don't have faith in life. I don't have faith in the universe, whichever is your belief system or if they're all a part of your belief system. And when you look at life through the lens of I don't trust life, all that is is a projection of I don't trust myself. But the million-dollar question is, why don't I trust myself? And I've done the math a lot of times when I speak publicly Mm-hmm. And when when someone is 40 years old, which is just a really good uh, medium age, when yeah. someone's 40 years old, they've been alive and awake. So this is subtracting uh, sleep. Uh, you've been alive and awake for 840 million moments. Okay, so someone who's 40 years old has been awake and alive for 840 million moments. So that's 40 million four code where you've either been true to yourself or not, where you really feel what you really want, what you really need. And most of us, us, the scale tips very strongly in the way of I've been living in fear, hiding my true self, keeping my feelings in, too afraid to act on my truth of that over years is that basically we've been betraying ourselves day in and day out. And if we're supposed to be our own best friend, but yet most of us know that we're not, we're our own worst enemy, we we wouldn't be lying to ourselves day in and day out. We wouldn't be betraying what we really feel or want or need day in and day out. And the result of us doing that since we're little kids which most of us just think as who we are in a natural way of life, is that we don't trust ourselves. We don't believe in ourselves. We have no self-esteem. We have no confidence. But the reason for this is because we've been betraying ourselves 
for mom and dad's love or security or to keep the peace since we were since before we could even speak. And then yeah. we've been doing it our whole lives. And so now we really don't trust ourselves and we don't trust life. But so I found that practically speaking, the first thing and the most important thing is just to start where you are and start to rebuild the trust in yourself. And the only way you can rebuild trust with anybody is to begin to be honest. And so the key to being honest then is to say, you know, I'm, I feel uh, unsatisfied in this relationship. I feel unsatisfied in this job. I um, am not in love with you anymore, or I don't feel that you're in love with me anymore, or I'm not happy in this situation, or I would like to, you know, to go after this, but I, I don't believe in myself. Talks that vulnerably, and, and, and to bring down the mask, and, and, and to overcome your pride, even if it's there, just to be real anyways. And as you do that incrementally, day by day, moment by moment, you rebuild trust in yourself, and that creates this momentum where you feel you can take a bigger step in the right direction. Now, the other dynamic that's really important is that is that there's a cliche that you know that's saying I think it was probably Louise Hay who made the affirmation famous. You know, is that when you love yourself, life will love you back because mm-hmm. you're not separate from life. We're not separate from life. So, if, you know, and and like the Buddha taught, you know, as you think, and so it is. So if you keep thinking, I can't do this, you know, life's not going to support me. Well, you're, that's how you're creating your life, and that's all you're going to keep getting. But when you say, you know what, I, I, I didn't come here to suffer, I really want to be happy, and you start expressing your truth and taking steps, just the small steps, you begin to trust yourself more, and you begin to trust life more, because life will basically bring you signs and experiences and opportunities and open doors and really amazing people as you begin to be vulnerable enough to be your true self. And the other really important dynamic there is that when you're in a state of fear and not expressing your truth and not acting based on your truth, your heart is closed. And when the heart is closed, you can't receive anything. You can't receive love. You can't receive from the food you're eating. You can't receive from the conversation you're having or from the sky you're looking at or the trees you're looking at or the air you're breathing. You're not present. You're in your head when you're afraid. So when you, when you overcome your fear, not by not being afraid, but by being true to yourself with your words and your actions, even if you're scared, your heart starts to open, which then actually renders us uh, available to receive from life. And until we do that, we will never, ever move forward or get anything that we want. And it's a very subtle dynamic, but it is so, so, so crucial to this situation. Um, and then the, the other half of that is that for me, and, and I, I really think, you know, it's been so important in my life, and I think instinctually mm-hmm. you, you probably see where I'm coming from, is that doing the small things each day that make you feel really good and really well and really alive are what give us the energy and raise our vibration to take the next step. So for me, you know, I love having a walk every day or a few walks. I love eating well. And I love my coffee, my latte, you know, first thing in the morning. Help me to deal with the other things. And then when you have a register of what feels good, throughout the day, you get a clearer register of what doesn't feel good and what, and then you're more equipped and energized to deal with it, if that makes sense. 
Oh, it it really does. In fact, you know, to me it brings up I I sometimes have joked with myself that I'm I'm doing something that a lot of people would say is is contradictory to my goals is that I will Blake consciously go for fairly long walks. I I walked 4 miles this morning. I I walked 4 miles yesterday. Um yeah. <laughs> and out in nature. And and when I was doing that, I was delaying, you know, some other work, but then it got done. You know, it it worked out. Now you have to be mindful, but but some of what what I have found is by doing this, and I don't walk four miles every day. That's a lot. It's kind, of, but in any case, I walk every day more and more and more. And the days that I don't, I get less done. <laughs> it, it, right. it seems like it 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 so energizes me. And you know, even if I'm walking in the rain, I live in the Pacific northwest so i could be walking in all kinds of conditions um and it just it it's exactly what you're saying it is such a source of joy it's like fuel and then of course it's helping me to become more healthy i know that you talk a lot about i didn't always do this and it's still a process for me like i'm i'm letting weight go and i'm seeing it go and things and i'm feeling incredible vitality like like i'm feeling vitality now in some ways more than in my 20s and so i guess just through my own experience i would love more people to experience that and that seems to be exactly what you're talking about that this physical vitality is accessible to us and the joy transforms our days really that too. absolutely and and that's key in seeing through and clearly clearly knowing and seeing the pattern that we're all trapped in, which is that I have to more do more and have more to find happy or love myself. And that's an disease that we're all afflicted because, you know, if you were to not go for the walk and you get done everything that you want to get done on your list, but you're stressed and you haven't had any sunlight mm-hmm. or fresh air in your, and you get mm-hmm. sick, like, you know what I mean? What good is it that you finish that exactly. project? If, you know what I mean? So we're all trapped in that I'll love myself if and when, and I'll be happy if and when I do more, be more, have more, whatever it is we have in our mind that's keeping us from basically being present in our body. And, and, and the main reason for that is we're all scared of the, emotional pain that's stored in our body we have never felt safe to mm-hmm. talk about and so mm-hmm. we keep running basically you know and 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 be, and that list of always having to do more is how we keep running yeah 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 i i feel like you know we've we've defined the parameters sometimes in our world that that we don't have to live by these rigid rules that that we think that have been set for us and and that we really can define our lives and and still get plenty done you know it's not as if you know we don't get things done but um you know you have a really good point how you know if you don't take care of yourself you know how how long can you keep up the the treadmill you know the rat race that goes on and I've been in that I was in corporate America you know worked late Every night, I, I was in a job once where I worked all the time, 
as a software engineer, yeah. I literally worked every day, and I would work till 10 p.m. Most I didn't have much of a life, <laughs> but you know those jobs exist. And how long can you do that? Not very. Hmm. And and so um, I guess the question is, what are you what are you gaining? You know, people will say, well, you know, I'm earning lots of money. Um, you know, but but what does that buy you really? And is it joy that we really are looking for more than more than anything else? And security. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you know, you said something a, a few minutes ago, Blake, about you know, as you start to follow your heart more, that signs will happen, and you know, people will come into your lives and things will start happening. And I think more and more of us are starting to discover this. It can seem very magical, you know, the synchronicities and impossible things that start to happen. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, like I said, you know, when we're living in a state of, of fear, our all of our perception and our experience throughout the day is, distorted by that that fear and by the suffering that is a result of that fear and and we're we're all of us are so much the victim of our mind and the victim of our thoughts and the victim of our fear insecurity based thoughts that we're not open to life and we're not open to the signs and the synchronicities that are mm-hmm. meant to lead us forward and so, again, it really is that simple that when we do find the courage or the spontaneity is a good word to follow our heart without um, acting from the place of fear of being judged or fear of failing yeah. or fear of making yeah. a mistake, then again, we our heart is open literally in the present. Our mind is open in the present and we literally see more. So it's not that these things aren't there. It's it's, they're always there, we're just not seeing them. And when we start to follow our heart, our heart is open, our mind is open, we are seeing them more, and then we, we start to draw these things towards us more because then we kind of become a vortex um, for, for love, for joy, yeah. for other yeah. people who, who want to live in this way, for yeah. a job that yeah. you know, supports you to live in that way, for a partner that values the same things. But if we're in a state yeah. of fear and our mind is closed and our heart is closed and we're hiding, we're hiding from the world, but we're also hiding from our truth. You know, it's like we're saying, uh, you know, I want love. I want to be happy. I want a fulfilling job. But then I'm running into my bomb shelter and hiding. Well, nobody's going to find you and you're not going to find anything <laughs> if you're just hiding, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, so I, I love there was a there was a, a a video of Steve Jobs that went around the internet that became quite viral that I love about the time he died, and it was uh-huh. the the speech the speech he gave a graduation speech at Stanford, and he was talking about how in life you know looking forward you can never connect the dots, and it's only you know looking back in hindsight that um, that you are able to connect the dots and that we all just have to follow our heart. And yeah. and trust that it already knows where we're meant to go. And um, for me, all I can say is that I know in my heart whether I feel good about where I am and what I'm doing. 
And if I don't feel good, I know that I suffer from that. And if I keep doing it, then I'm going to suffer from that. And so I need to, you know, be in my heart space and and take action based on what really feels good in my body uh, energetically. So, um, and then more of those signs come. That's ironic because on the cover of my my book is a butterfly, and a butterfly, mm-hmm. you know, is obviously very symbolic for a lot of people for yeah. freedom and happiness and spiritual liberation. And there's a butterfly just outside the window where I'm sitting as we talk. Um, wow! Just, 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 <laughs> just flying Perfect. around. And it's quite, a, quite a windy day. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, and and I guess too because when when we're connected to our heart. And, you know, some people will say your soul or your spirit instead of being disconnected. You're in a place where you're you're acknowledging your connection, oneness, unity with everything and everyone. So you're aware of that connection and you're seeing that connection and you're enjoying that connection instead of suffering from feeling disconnected and isolated, which is really just a result of us being disconnected from our own heart and soul and practically speaking, our own emotions. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I I totally can relate to what you're saying. You know, there's one other area, and normally these interviews run an hour. Although since we're so spontaneous tonight, even if we run slightly over, it's not a big deal. Um, unless it, it's up to you. But um, one area we haven't really touched upon, and I think it's important to at least touch upon it a little bit, is um, you know there there may be be people out there listening who are are dealing with a serious illness um because mm. a lot of times that can be a real source of of suffering you know when you're you're caught up in that and I know you work with holistic healing and and you certainly um you know address this and and I wonder for those listening who are navigating through that or or even with a loved one who's maybe navigating through that how how can you advise them hmm. yeah the, well the, first of all there's there's so much to it so my from my experience and this came after a lot of my own suffering and mm-hmm. then and my own journey brought me i went to five different universities and i went to all different kinds of professional trainings and workshops and i had uh, I was very lucky to meet, you know, the right teachers at the right time, different masters from China and Korea and different forms of healing and, and spiritual practice. Yeah. And and then then that led me now to work with upwards of twenty to 25,000 people and a lot through private practice and retreat and yeah. speaking. And, and then also uh, the, my book over the past few years and – um, what I distilled in all of that was that basically all of our disease, so, so, so let's say mental illness or depression um, and physical disease, all physical disease, is the result of us never learning how to love ourselves and the result of us basically internalizing our emotional needs and desires throughout our lives. So like I said to you in the beginning, if you if you think about those 840 million moments, if you're uh, let's say around 40 years old, if you're a little bit younger, you know, it's still over 500 million moments. And if you're over 40, you know, you're up to probably a billion or even more than a billion moments that you've been alive. And in most of those moments, we've been internalizing our emotional energy been stopping ourselves from acting based on our truth. 
And both of those habits stagnate energy in the body and blood. In Chinese medicine, it's said that the blood in the body follows the qi or follows the energy. And the best example for that is a heartbeat. There's the electromagnetic pulse of the heart, which causes blood to flow through the veins. And also when you walk, for example, you're moving your energy, energetically you're moving, and that's what gets your blood to circulate and keeps your circulation healthy um, and gets obviously blood and nutrients to the, you know, far end and extremities, you know, your, your feet and your hands, for example, keep your circulation good. Um, yeah. But because most of us have been internalizing what we feel and need and want and then not acting based on that for so many years, all these moments out of all these days and weeks and months and years that we've been alive, we've been basically causing ourselves a slow death, a slow torture. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's because our relationship to our, so our body's going to mirror our relationship to ourselves. So if our body's not healthy physically, it's because mentally and emotionally we have an unhealthy relationship to ourselves. Now, a lot of people, some people will get angry when they hear me say this because then they're going to, you know, they feel like, oh, it's my fault or, you know, you know, they start blaming themselves and that's totally natural. But what that actually is a symptom of is if you feel anger, for example, at what I'm saying right now, that's actually all the anger inside of you that you've been holding on to your whole life and you're angry at yourself for treating yourself so critically and so aggressively, but you didn't know better because you never learned better, and, and none of us ever learned better. You know, I, I too had to, to learn the hard way, and thank God I, I haven't suffered that horribly physically in this life, but I was as tortured mentally and emotionally as I believe is possible, and, and thankfully was able to liberate myself from that um, at a younger age before it developed into major physical problems. Um, yeah. So... The other thing is another way of looking at it is, and, and this is, this is, it's not to be judged. So it's not good or bad or right or wrong or sad or anything. Most of us make ourselves miserable and sick as a way of seeking attention and love. So it's a destructive form of seeking love. So yeah. because we don't know how to ask for what we want and need, and we don't know how to express what we're feeling, it becomes a subtle way of getting what we need in life and it destroys us. And it's just a, it's just a major, major life lesson. So anybody who is struggling internally with a physical disease like autoimmune or, or cancer, that is a cry from your soul, from your subconscious mind, asking you to take much deeper care of your heart and your body. And if you don't take good care of your heart, you're not going to care about taking care of your body because emotionally, if we're not fulfilled and and spiritually, if we're not fulfilled, if our soul doesn't feel like it's fully here and enjoying life, then we feel like we don't matter. And when I say I don't matter, it's not my body really I'm saying that doesn't matter. It's my deeper self. And when I treat my deeper self like I don't matter, then you'll have an excuse not to take care of your body because it doesn't feel very good to be in your body. So why would I want to feel as good as possible if deep down I don't feel good at all? Why would I want to feel good physically? So that's why, you know, we can go to the gym and we can exercise and we can go on diets and never really get to where we think we want to be because we're not actually addressing the deep heart and soul and emotional issues that are, you know, those wounds we were talking about in the beginning from, really from childhood, that just keep getting salt thrown on them throughout our whole lives. Um, yeah. 
You know, I want to interrupt you just for a second. To the live audience, um, if you want to still hear the show, we're going to go over slightly. You can call in at 310-807-5104 because they can listen on the teleconference. Also, caller on the line. Stay on the line. We've got a caller with a question if we have a few minutes over. Um, But um, anyway, we're, we're still broadcasting, but I wanted you to continue. Yes. I, yeah, so I think, and the other thing is just to, to understand there's, you know, in the spiritual and uh, metaphysical and alternative worlds, you know, there's this gap in logic and rationale between, you know, our thoughts and our uh, beliefs and our emotions create our reality, but yet I'm physically ill. And how how is there a, a, a limiting belief or thought pattern associated with every physical disease? You know, so there's that, that's where a lot of people really criticize uh, metaphysical healing or mm-hmm. alternative mm-hmm. healing because there's a gap in the rationale. And this is the missing link, which is that over time, that energy, that emotional energy that gets trapped inside the body through not speaking and acting based on what you really feel causes the blood to slow down within the veins and the organs and all, you know, all the blood vessels. And that's what eventually causes the buildup of stagnant blood, which coagulates and becomes sticky and toxic, which eventually can block the flow of blood completely as a clot in the vein and cause hemorrhages and heart attacks and um, cancers. Because as those se- when when things are not flowing, it's like you think about your toilet. If you don't flush your toilet, what's going to happen? If you don't clean out your sink and let the drain out, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Everything just becomes moldy and toxic and produces spores. And that's what happens inside of our veins and our blood when we're sitting and stagnant and toxic because, you know, we're sitting at a desk, for example, all day doing a job we don't like. So we're just full of anger. We're full of frustration. We're eating fast food. Then we're sitting back at our desk. Then we're getting up and doing the same thing the next day, five days a week. And on a weekend, maybe we're getting drunk or high or sitting in front of a TV or, you know, we're kind of numbing out to the fact that we feel so trapped by this, you know, world that we've all co-created, you know, and yeah. we can't point the finger at one person or at our parents or at society. We have to, we have to take responsibility for, you know, how we've created this, even if we think we didn't have a choice in the matter in the beginning, um, yeah. which, you know, even that obviously is open in, to interpretation. So, um, again, that's the key is to understand that these habits of keeping in what you feel and not acting based on it leads you to feel like I don't matter. And it leads all the blood and energy in the body to, to get stagnant and stuck and all the cells become sticky and they become masses and nodules and tumors and coagulate. And eventually when nothing good is coming in and nothing bad is getting out, that's when things become really toxic and we think, see things like cancer or an autoimmune condition where the body is really fighting itself, um, Mm -hmm. which is really, again, begins on a mental and emotional level where there's that uh, fight between who you really are, what you really feel, and your fear and your conditioning. So the fight between who you are and who you've become to survive, basically. Again, all based on on fear. Yes. Yes, you know, Mm. it just seems like we need to... It's so much that that we are attracted to to environments that um, that don't foster that kind of behavior. You know, as you were talking about how 
we can be in the office, for example. I used to work in an office that had a beautiful campus, like absolutely beautiful. And yet what would they do? In the morning, along would come this donut cart. <laughs> it would like the muffin the muffin cart would come by so that, you know, and, and no one would leave their – I mean, the, the idea was you're sitting in this office all day, you're on a beautiful campus, and you've got the cookie cart coming by, the muffin cart, you know, in the afternoon the cookies would come by, and, and what would, you know, people would just sit sit in their offices, you know, and they'd have muffins in the morning, cookies in the afternoon, and, and, and how many people were out walking around the lake. You know, no, they were they were at their computers working all day, and so right. um, this is what we foster. And then what happens? You know, I mean, you can't live in that that lifestyle for very long. I mean, you're working very long hours, and um, you know, there were people who would even sleep in their offices sometimes. And and it's just how can we? You know, there there may be people listening who you know they just want to break of that when when I walk out in nature um, during the day I'm astounded by how few people I see even even on weekends you know why how do we we really just claim our lives again so that we can just just claim our our health and mentally and physically and thrive Mm. yeah so again like I said it's it's a lot of us become overwhelmed by the daunting kind of idea of these big leaps when we're not ready for them, you know? So it's kind Mm -hmm. of like that crawl before you walk. So exactly. So it's just, like I said, it's about start just admitting that you're not happy. Start talking about what you're feeling in the job situation. But a lot of times if we're not valuing ourselves in our personal relationships, then we'll be doing it at work as well. And, and so valuing yourself in one situation then will help you value yourself in another situation. So yeah. start, you know, start at home, start with friends, start at work. If you, if you have some, a colleague, um, just so just a little stuff. This is how I feel. You know, this is, you know, I don't, this is not what I really want anymore. Um, and then the little things like we talked about, you know, start taking a walk every day. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be like go to the gym and get a personal trainer and go hard and right. got to be at yoga seven days a week at six in the morning. You know, it's <laughs> about finding something that feels good and being being yeah. kind to yourself in that way. And and um, there was another thing that, that came to mind. Oh, I wanted to go back to the people struggling with, phys- you know, a serious illness because oh, again, yeah. I want to make yeah. this really, really, really practical. Yeah. Now, for me, after studying various types of alternative medicine and uh, things like acupuncture and mm-hmm. uh, traditional Chinese medicine and, and five-element Chinese medicine, the more spiritually inclined, um, you know, older form of Chinese medicine, um, I now really only teach people a practice called Qigong, which mm-hmm. is like Tai Chi, and, and I would imagine you know of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I... I teach Qigong, and, and Qigong is great, and Tai Chi is great, and yoga is great, mm-hmm. but a, a practice that gets the get a gentle practice, so that's key, gentle practice yeah. that unlocks, basically unlocks stuck energy, stuck blood, and stuck emotion, because that's what causes disease, is stuck energy, stuck blood, and stuck emotion. And so I teach a form of Qigong that I have uh, formulated myself after studying you know, a few dozen different types of Qigong, and the, I, t- I teach a form that takes you through every joint in the body, starting at the feet and working your way up all the way up your torso and down your arms. 
and and then and and then there are some other stretches along with that that open up the energy channels and what that does is it opens up the flow of all the energy in, bo- in the body and then it, it opens up the flow of the blood and it, it opens up the flow of the emotion so the body is the subconscious mind and our our disease in the body is really emotional pain that's stuck in the body so when you do a gentle practice like that presently with awareness it brings out everything that's stuck. So, again, stuck emotional pain really at the root of it. But that emotional pain has become physical toxicity and then physical pain. Um, so, I mean, even if you're at home, go through every joint in your body. Like you can sit in a chair or stand up and open up your toes, open up your ankles, open up your knees, make gentle circles, open up your hips, bend over gently and do your spine and open up your fingers and your your wrists and your elbows and your shoulders and your neck. And you'll be amazed that if you logically even just do that intuitively, you don't have to have a set practice, although I teach a set practice. If you go through that and do that intuitively with breathing and with awareness and just really paying attention to what you feel, you begin to open up the flow of everything inside of you and you'll feel it. You will literally feel it. And then if you take a walk, you know, like we said, you know, you'll feel it. You'll feel better. You're going to get things yeah. moving again it's those little things day in and day out that are that is what's going to heal you so being true to yourself with what you say and what you do every day starting now if you want to heal again it's like do you want to yeah. feel sorry for yourself and be sick or do you want to respect yourself and move forward so value what you feel say i matter my feelings matter my needs matter my desires matter and speak from that place and act from that place and then if you're physically very sick then you've been doing that You've not been doing that for so long that it's built up so much that you're, you, have, you have made yourself sick. You didn't mean to, but you did, and that's what we do. And it's all to learn this lesson. How do I value myself now? How do I be true to myself now? How do I love myself now? And then it is important, especially when you've become very physically ill, to find very gentle things that open up the flow of energy, blood, in, and and thus emotion the body. So again, like swimming, walking, yeah. um, yoga, gentle, very gentle. Not not pushing yourself. Yoga, gentle yoga, like Yin yoga, slow yoga, um, mm-hmm. qigong, tai chi. You have to keep things moving, and you have to do it every day. And the other thing that I find with my clients, which is really important, is perspective. Because if you're 40 years old, it's taken you 40 years of speaking acting, living, and thinking in the way that you do that's gotten you to this place. So it's not like just in in a week it's going to change if you try this, or even a year. It's going to take some time. So, you know, I always like to use the 10% number. If you're really committed, if you've been doing this for 40 years and it's made you this sick, give yourself, let's say, four years to completely turn it around. I think you're capable of doing it quicker but sometimes it, it's hard to integrate the changes and, and you might have to end relationships and end your job and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it takes time to adjust and, and, and go from a life where you don't love yourself and you have an unhealthy relationship to yourself to a life where you really take care of yourself and you value yourself and you respect yourself. It takes time because every relationship that you've had in the past has been created from a toxic place and it has to yeah. die and be reborn, and that takes time. So it's good to have mm-hmm. that perspective and say, you know what, though, I'm worth it. My life is worth it. I have children that I love. I have a partner that I love. 
or I have a purpose or a mission in life, or I just don't want to die yet. You know, so I start mm-hmm. off my book saying, when is enough enough? You know, like, when yeah. when have you suffered enough? Like, when, well, how bad does it have to get? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, most of us are pretty stubborn because that's how we protect ourselves from pain. So we have to hit rock bottom metaphorically, whether that's financially or with our health or emotionally before we realize, you know, something really, really needs to change or I need to change. Yeah, yeah, wow. Powerful, powerful stuff. And, and you know, I, I just, I so, so relate to it. And, you know, what I appreciate about it is really, um, although, you know, it speaks, you know, very, very powerful truth, there's a gentleness to it, Blake, because, you know, where you talk about, you know, you need to have some patience and you'll see things unfold. And and I certainly have observed that. Um, and it, is it true that, that you find that your clients, as they start to progress, you know, they they look back and they say, oh, my gosh, you know, I just feel so much better. Yeah, And, and yeah, it's an amazing thing. And then, then does that fuel it? You know, once you start to, to start feeling that transformation and then it, it seems to make it even take hold maybe a little bit quicker once that starts happening. Does that happen with people that you've worked with? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I think our trust grows as we see, you know, the like a positive response to the choices that we're making and the decisions that mm-hmm. we're making and the changes that we're making. And then I think, too, I, I always like to say it's like once you know, you can't go back. So yeah. <laughs> once you start and once you once you start to let your true self flower and yeah. you overcome the fear, it's like you can't force the flower to go back into the bud. It's mm-hmm. like once you've you've taken that step of blossoming, however big it is, you can't force it back in. It's like um, you know, recently in my life, I had this experience where I felt like I was in this pot, like a pot, like a plant, and the pot mm-hmm. shattered. It was like I outgrew the pot. I outgrew my yeah. old life, and, and yeah. it all died around me because yeah. I was growing, you know, expanding so much. And so that's what happens. And it, it starts small, but then it gets big. And it's like once you know you can't, you just can't go back. And once you once you wake up to how painful it is and how you're the one who's betraying yourself and hurting yourself and then you Mm -hmm. start to do the opposite and you start to be true to yourself and you start to act and speak from that place and move through the world in that truth and that that light and that that saying you know that i matter and what i feel matters then going back to the self-destructive way of life is harder and you will you will go back i mean we all Mm -hmm. take this two step forward and one step back and sometimes you'll take a few steps forward you might go go back to the job or go back to the relationship or keep up the same pattern, but you're more aware than you were the last time. So you won't stay stuck as long and you'll move forward sooner than you did last time. So, um, you know, you know, on the spiritual path, there's this illusion that you just reach some form of enlightenment and, you know, it's like every day we're tested. So today, if you were really true to yourself, let's say you were a hundred percent true to yourself today, and 100% enlightened in your life, well, guess what? Tomorrow is going to come to test you again. So it's not like mm-hmm. you know, life is going to stop testing you. You know, so um, you just each day you just you just you just you just do your best to to be true to yourself, to to keep your heart open, to um, be honest, be real, 
um, not and then not treat other people in ways that you wouldn't want to be treated. You know, going back to what we we're talking about reacting, you know, yeah. and, and that really is a big thing because when we react, we we say things and we do things that we really don't mean and we don't want to, but it's the only way we know how to protect ourselves at this point or at that point in our our journey. And then that sets in motion drama and defense and more pain. Yeah. And it's like a domino effect. And sometimes it's hard to even get back to where we think we are once that domino starts falling. You know, it's like we just have created a more of a mess to clean up, you know. Um, and if you're the one reacting, saying and doing things that you don't mean, then you're the one creating the drama that keeps you trapped and keeps you from moving forward towards what you say you really want or your life purpose, which is very much tied up with just being happy and enjoying your life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just so powerful. So Such truth. Such truth, Blake. You know, we have a very patient caller on the line. I wonder if we could take maybe one call and then and then we'll we'll probably wrap up for tonight. But um if, if you'd like to take a call. Okay. Um I believe this is Jay on the line. Hold on a second. Get you get you on the line here. Are you there, Jay? Yes, I am, Susan. How's it going? Great. Do you have a question for Blake? Yeah, Blake, it's just listening to your conversation. Thanks so much for your wisdom and knowledge you're sharing with everybody. And my hey, question is, hey, Jay, thank you. Yeah, go ahead. My question is, is that um, how come as a human species become so separated from ourselves and this this call, I call it the electronic age of separation, and it's not a it's a, it's even for spiritual people I find it's it's separation also. We were not. We communicate by texting and not by human experience of you know feeling and uh, with other person's energy and, and you know presence. I just wondered, you know, where do we lose it? And we seems like we're losing it and we're getting farther away from uh, the oneness and more of a separation and divisionist and and uh, the, the invisible humanness. I just wonder what's going on with that. Hmm. Well, I think like we were talking about earlier in the conversation, for me, it always goes back to when we're kids and we disconnect from our feelings because we don't know how we don't know better and we don't know how to express them and we don't feel safe. And then that really defines this uh, relationship we have between feeling connected and feeling disconnected. And most of us feel disconnected, but we're always trying to get back to be connected. So hence the birth of, the electronic age and communications and, you know, obviously when you're, when you were speaking, the first thing that popped into my mind is Facebook and Facebook is an amazing, has become an amazing tool for connection, but yet so many of us have a very unhealthy relationship to something like Facebook. So I always like to say, it's not the thing itself. It's always our relationship to it. So like alcohol, let's say wine is not evil, but if I have an unhealthy relationship to wine and I drink too much of it, then I project that it, it's, it's unhealthy. But it's not the wine that's unhealthy. It's my relationship to it, which is a mirror of my relationship to myself. So, again, everything just comes back to, to that relationship with myself where, for the most part, I feel disconnected from what I really feel, and I've felt that way for so long. And then I become afraid of opening the can of worms if that makes sense. It's like there's so much that I've been disconnected from for so many years that I'm afraid to go there 
and then a lot of people are feeling that way too. So it seems easier to send a text than it does to actually have a conversation. Does that make sense? Like I know, I know often I'll feel safer sending a text. You know, I think a lot of us feel safer, mm-hmm. like we don't actually have to confront the person or have a conversation or deal with their reaction or my reaction. It's like safer. I can send it and, and they react in their own time and space and I'm reacting in my own time and space, if that makes sense. So it's almost like we're trying to create that sense of safety and security that maybe we never had as children. Okay. Does that does that resonate? Yeah, I think we just get sucked into the technology that we think we're connected, but I don't know, just we're just kind of like not. I just see so many, you know, whether it's media or shows that you know, you know, display it or put that into their storyline regarding it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, Jay, I I haven't owned a TV in about. 14 years now so for example i made a choice in my life not to watch tv not to really watch the news um so you know really again you know it's it's we can see anything you know like it's like if i have something on my face you can see it but i can't you know so it's much easier to see it in somebody else than it is to see it in us so what you can do is become more connected to yourself and maybe I don't know if maybe maybe do you feel that you use technology a lot because if you do you can start to heal that a bit and maybe you know not watch as much TV or not be on your phone as much and then leave yourself open to more genuine connection and to people who value what you value does that make sense Oh yeah it does yeah so those are like the little things that you can do for yourself which then will change what you're attracting into your life, you know, because if we're always walking, right, if we take a walk and, you know, like um, Susan, you were saying, you know, walking in nature, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm guilty of it too myself. I'll walk and have my, you know, (laughs) be looking at my emails. I'm having a walk, but I'm looking at my emails. Oh, yes, yes, I've done it. And I might walk by somebody, I might walk by somebody and be looking at my phone, whereas if I had, was not on my phone, I had my head up, I might smile at them Mm -hmm. and they might smile back at me and I might say hello and we might yes. feel more connected and less alone, whereas, you know, I'm looking at my phone trying to feel connected. So yeah. um, does that make sense, Jay? So yeah, sense. There's, those little things can really help. Because at the end of the day, you can't control what I do, and I can't control what you do. All you can control is the choices you make for your own life. So I would say if you take off the headphones, if you listen to music all the time, or turn off the TV or turn off the computer, and, and I don't know, you know, go... I don't know, go to a class or go out with some friends or go for a walk or, you know, things like that to put yourself in a situation to connect more. Um, And then, I mean, I really do think, I think phones and I think computers are fantastic if you have a healthy relationship to them. Again, it's not that they're unhealthy, it's our relationship to them. So then another thing that I find is how, how, how vulnerable am I being in my communication through these things? So then that brings up the issue of, Uh, being afraid of being rejected and judging yourself. So the other thing I would say is that, you know, if you do use those things to connect with people, I would say be as real as you can be. Like, you know, if you feel something when you're talking to someone, say it. If you, you know, want to do something, ask the person if they want to go out or they want to hang out or they want to do something. Because a lot of times we get so trapped by our fear, our fear of being rejected, our fear of being judged, that we, 
we don't say, hey, let's catch up, or hey, how are you, or or uh, or I have feelings for you. You know, like you can you can use the phone to tell someone that you're in love with them if you're yeah. afraid of if you're not afraid of being rejected or if you overcome your fear of being rejected or judged. Or you can say, hey, do you want to do something tonight? Um, through your text or your, you know, through a text, for example. Um, and the person might say no, but at least you've had the courage not to reject yourself and hold yourself back. And that's really the issue. That's, and that's the issue whether you're in person or on the phone, I find, is that's the key, mm-hmm. is are you rejecting yourself? And if you are, then you're going to feel disconnected. Or are you accepting what you feel and being vulnerable enough to say it and then you're going to feel connected. Even if the other person rejects you, you're going to feel connected because you've honored what you really feel, and that's all that matters. Yeah. So what other people think of you really doesn't matter. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I would, I would say that's a big issue underneath the whole, you know, the technology question, if you will. Mm. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for calling, Jay. Um that that's a really important question nowadays because there is a lot of technology and that that we find ourselves um, caught up in and and you know it seems like like you say Blake you know if we can be authentically real in the midst of it that that's a different way of relating to it perhaps than, absolutely than just blindly like turning on a TV show you know it's funny how many of us I think are turning off the TVs more. Really, I, 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 I'm experiencing that, too. Um, it might be in the house. Yes. It's not on very much. <laughs> yes. And I well, get Su- that. Susan, may, may I point out, too, the irony. You know, we're all in this phone call right now, That's which is right. technology. That's right. What are we doing? We're and, using and, wonderful technology. Mm-hmm. And, we're, and we're connecting. And, Jay, you know, you were, you were brave enough to call, so you had yes. a choice. You yes. could have been... You know, you could have been scared of judging yourself or, or stumbling or rambling or whatever it was that would be the excuse for you not to call and connect, but you yeah. overcame that. You called anyways, and now we get to connect. Yeah. And thank you so much, Jay. I'm glad that you did. <laughs> does that resonate, Jay? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're so welcome. So keep doing that. You know, it doesn't matter what other people think of you. And if other people reject you, that's their, excuse my language, that's their shit. All that matters is that you don't reject yourself. So what you feel and what you want, what you feel moved to do. And the more you do that, the less you even contemplate or entertain what other people will say or do in response to you being real. You're just you're just accepting yourself, and that's that's really the essence of what we're talking about. That's loving yourself. That's accepting yourself, and that's the key to staying connected and feeling connected. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, well, and so I would say, just look in your look in your life where you're not doing that, and then start to do that, and then everything will shift. Okay. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Thank, thanks so much, Jay, for calling. I really appreciate your calling in. Take You're care. You're welcome. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Right. Yeah. Mm, you Me too. Jay. Thank you, Jay. You too. Um, well, what an amazing time we've had here, Blake. I, I am just so happy that we decided to spontaneously go ahead with our conversation tonight, I've felt the energy even just growing, you know, it's been really <laughs> cool. 
Well, it's so ironic because even what Jay just said was really what happened between you and I before we went yes. on air because, yes. you know, I, I, there was that whole formality of when we were supposed to meet and it didn't happen. Then I mm-hmm. thought, you know, what if you're still available? So I'm just going to put it out there because I yes. have to face this afternoon. Yes. And and so and then we manifested this, which hopefully has helped everybody in some way. I I hope so. And, you know, it really did take putting ourselves both out there a little bit because I'll tell you, I was on my most limited phone technology-wise because I have this second phone that's really kind of old and it's hard to send messages on it. So I'm typing really slow. And and that when you put yourself out there and said, can we, you know, I'm available, can we go on? I just thought to myself, why not? (laughs) And I think I said it'll be fun. And it, you know, it's been great. I at I've had a wonderful time talking with you, Blake, and I only felt it just continued to grow. I swear I could talk to you all night. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Yeah, I do. I feel the same. Yeah, and and tell the audience, Blake, and I will create a more robust show page for those who are looking at it now. It's fairly simple because I had to do it fast, but I'll make sure it has your website out there and everything. But make sure everyone knows where to find you and you know, what you have going on, just to, to make sure that they know that as as we wrap up today. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, I have a website, and my website is unconditional-selflove.com. And on my website, you can find information on uh, various events and places that I'll be speaking or uh, places where we can connect in person. Um, you can also find links to my uh, You Were Not Born to Suffer, which uh, is available in all formats. And I also have a Qigong DVD, which if we go back to especially people that are suffering with chronic health conditions, I would say this is the most effective form of self-healing that I've come across, which is why I teach it and practice it. Um, and I have a, a DVD that's extremely thorough and very reasonable and has helped now thousands of people with chronic illness, and it's very simple but very effective um, and easy for people. Even if you can't stand or you have a disability, you can still do most of it um, from a seated position or even laying down. You can do a lot of the, the you know the joint exercises and breathing exercises and meditations. Um, and then I'm on Facebook. I have a page under Blake Bauer, and I also have a page under my book title, You Were Not Born to Suffer. Um, I think I'll be touring quite a bit of the U.S. Um, and uh, and the U.K. Uh, in 2016. So, again, my website is the best place for that information. Um, and I think that's probably about it. Okay. Well, I surely I hope you make it up to the Pacific Northwest when you're when you're touring. I'll, but I'm just glad Are to you, hear that you're coming to the U.S. <laughs> yes, I'm actually I'm originally from Chicago, and my my parents mm-hmm. still live in Chicago, and then I lived and studied in Boulder, Colorado, for a number of years. And I feel like you have an association with Colorado, if I'm correct. I have, how did you know? I I went to the University of Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first school, anyway. <laughs> From Facebook. So yeah, yes. I've lived uh, in Boulder. I I lived there for quite a while. <laughs> yes, yes. So did I. And I went to CU and I went to Naropa University, the the Buddhist oh, yes. university there. And, yes. Uh huh. And, and um, yes, I love. It's one of my favorite parts of the world, actually. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I was born in in Colorado, so um, I certainly certainly relate to that. In fact, I'm going back in about a month for for a visit, so and I get there fairly often. Um, so so that's a cool connection that we have. And actually, I even lived um, just south of Chicago too for a while. I, that was my second school <laughs> that oh, I wow. that I went to in Champaign. So I know oh, that beautiful. area too very well. <laughs> Beautiful. So, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of my a lot of people I grew up with actually went to to college or university there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very familiar. Well, yeah. So we're having our small talk connection here right at the end of the show. <laughs> but it's not small. It's so speaky. You know what? We're we're. It's fun to to just be human on the air, you know, and connect in the ways that we do. And and that's what I love about this show. And I really appreciate that you came on tonight, and I felt that we just had a beautiful time together, and I'm very thankful for that. Thank you so much, Blake, for being here Oh, tonight. thank you, Susan. Thank you, too. Right. Thank you. It was lovely. All right. Yes, well, thank you. So so you take care, and I really look forward to, to following your work even more because I, I I really find it fascinating, and I think you're you're taking it wonderful places. You're certainly changing a lot of lives. And and um, thank you for everything you're doing in the world. Thanks so much. Well, thank you, Susan, and you too. Thank you so much for having me on the show. All right. Well, take care then. You too, dear. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Note and um, the the controls are kind of going slow here. Here we go. All right. Um, Just a quick show note for those of you um, listening at any time here, because I know we're now in the podcast, and welcome to those who have been listening across time. I do always feel your energy here with us. You've been with us all along. Um, Since this was such a spontaneous show, let me quickly look at the schedule, because we've kind of moving shows around. We may have another one this week. What's really interesting is there's a possibility of another show this week, which would synchronistically make some sense as to why the schedule shifted around. It's very possible. So stay tuned to FrontierBeyondFear.com to see if anything else comes up later in the week, because it very well may. Also, important to note, I am going to be speaking this weekend at the Body, Mind, Spirit Expo in Portland, Oregon. If you are coming to that at the Oregon Convention Center, um, that too was fairly spontaneous as I set that up very recently. Usually I set them up farther in advance, but this time I didn't know if I was going to get out there and it just worked out that I am. And I'm going to be speaking Sunday, November 8th, this coming Sunday at 11 a.m. And I'm going to be talking about thankfulness, expansive thankfulness and how um, that can help us really create joy in our lives when we find those moments that you know we are as I use the term so very thankful for and where that can take us so I suppose um, somewhat inspired by Thanksgiving coming up here in just just a couple weeks but also beyond that it's just a topic I've felt I've had on my heart for a while and and We'll talk about that. Um, I welcome you to come on out. The talk is free with um, paying for 
for admission to the expo, and it's really inexpensive, only about $11, I believe, if you bring the discount coupon for the whole weekend. I will also be at booth 21, and I will be doing coaching there. So I welcome you to come by my booth and also just to say hello. So so anyway, that's the Body, Mind, Spirit Expo, and you're going to find a lot of guests to this show are out there this weekend, and I'm actually looking forward to meeting some people for the first time, at least thinking at least a, a few people, a couple people I will be meeting for the first time have been on this show. And, and I won't give a list right now of everyone um, because otherwise I'll forget the whole list. But I I know of recent, well, I will give a couple. Um, Paul O'Brien is speaking. He's local in Portland. And he actually, his talk is on Saturday, later in the day. And you should buy tickets to that in advance because you'll get a discount coupon or a discount if you do. And then um, also Brenda Michaels, who was just on the show, is going to be speaking on Sunday afternoon as well. So um, keep an eye out for that. As for upcoming shows, like I said, there may be another one this week. But I also have near-death experience expert. PMH Atwater is coming back on the show um, a week from today, as a matter of fact, on November 9th at 12 noon. We're doing a 12 noon show, Pacific, and I welcome you to listen to that show because I know many of you enjoy PMH Atwater. She's been on the show a few times, and it's been a while, so we'll we'll see what she's been up to. She's just come back from Finhorn in Scotland, and so that should be really interesting to hear about because that's a wonderfully high vibrational place. All right. With that said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up tonight. I appreciate those of you who have been with us spontaneously tonight and those listening on the podcast. And go to FrontierBeyondFear.com for all the information on upcoming shows and the entire archive and events coming up and ways to support the show. Um, That is your resource to find out all about the program. So, Thank you, everyone. Um, may you find peace on your journey and and realize, just as Blake Bauer told us tonight, you were not born to suffer, and I encourage you to discover his book. Take care. Mm-hmm.